Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Catherine Tyndall, and she is a CPA and partner at Dominion Enterprise Services, a concierge tax advisory practice. And with all the recent and upcoming tax changes, I'm super excited to talk to an expert that can help us not only stay informed, but also provide some insight into how we can reduce our overall tax burden. Because like they say, it's not about how much you make, it's actually about how much you can keep. And so Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Eileen. This is always something I love to talk about with people. So can you share a little bit about your background, Catherine, with us and um, what your current focus is? Yeah. So a little of my background, my professional career, I've pretty much been exclusively in public accounting with a focus in tax. And over the years, I've niched down into more tax planning work. So my firm specifically, we work more proactively with clients to do planning techniques so that they can really take advantage of what's available for them in the tax code. And so very often a recommendation we have for people is to get involved in real estate just because of all the advantages that are there specifically on the tax side of things. So how did you yourself start getting involved um, with real estate and taxes? And because not all CPAs have a focus with real estate. Yeah. I think for me, the, where the interest began is it's one of those areas of the tax code where there's just so much opportunity and there's so many things that we can do. And unlike with when you are a W-2 employee somewhere or people who have their own business, there's a lot of control that you have as well. But with real estate, you have a unique opportunity to really have your income life play out almost like a chess game where you can decide when you're going to do deals or how you're going to participate in things. And it can really dramatically impact the tax. And so I found it a lot more fun on a practitioner side to be able to work with clients on things where I could see that the knowledge that I had with how the taxes work really translated into a a big impacts for them for their after-tax realization on the investments that they had and and how they were doing things. So that just makes it a lot more fun, I think, for me (laughs) and for them that you can really take advantage of so much if you're proactive with things. So can you give us kind of like a top level overview? If we were a W-2 employee, we have not invested in any type of real estate. How Mm -hmm. is something like this, how is investing in something like real estate, how are we able to apply that to ourselves? And what are some of the impacts that we could benefit from um, if we were to invest in a real estate vehicle? Yeah. So I think for most people, the thing I like to start off with when I talk to clients is how you earn your income affects how you pay your tax. And so when you 
all your income is earned, say through a W-2, you're paying all your tax at the ordinary income tax rates. And there's really not much you can do about that. There's not really any planning techniques or anything like that, other than maybe trying to time like retirement contributions. There's really not much available for you to actually reduce how much you're paying and you pay at those top rates. So depending on where you live, it can be well over 50% of your income gets wiped out to tax. And that's 50% of the year you're working for the... (laughs) the government effectively, because that's where that money's going. So the, the cool thing with real estate, and I think kind of how people get the bug for it is once you start doing some investments, but you're still maintaining that W-2 income, and that's mostly where you're earning. I think people start to realize with real estate, you get the advantage of you can have basically a net cash flow, but you're not generating a tax burden from it because you can take advantage of things like depreciation. When you're at that stage where you're still mainly earning from your W-2, you don't get to take advantage of things like the real estate professional status or things like that that would make it more, you can make it even more advantageous. But I think it's a good place for people to get started because you can have investments that are going to be really solid performers, but they're not generating a big tax burden at the same time. So you mentioned depreciation. And so can you talk to us a little bit top level how that would work in a situation like this because it's on paper where you're able to depreciate it, but it's not really actually impacting the money that you get to take home. Yeah. So basically when you purchase a property, if you know, you're this, just to keep it a simple scenario, you purchase a piece of property that's going to be an investment, you hold it as a rental. Over the course of you owning that, you're allowed to take what's called depreciation, which is uh, basically you're able to write off a portion of the purchase price you paid for the property over the life of it. So if it's a residential property, it's 27 and a half years. If it's a commercial property, it's 39 years. But basically you get to take a slice of that every year against the income that you earn from that, the rental income that you earn from that property. And so the nice thing is, is if you buy a piece of property and you basically, you know, you're getting rents from it, you're also getting the write-off for the depreciation, which is a non-cash activity. So you can be generating positive cash through the rental income but you're not generating, say, a net profit on paper in that property that you then have to pay tax on. The problem when you're a W-2 employee, though, is because you're considered uh, passive in those investments, you can't have excess depreciation over what you're earning in rents. So for some people, it's a very common strategy once you get more advanced to try to have active participation in your real estate so that you can really accelerate things like depreciation and start producing big paper losses so that you can start to offset that against other income that you have. But when you're in a W-2, you're limited to not being able to do those more aggressive techniques, but you still get the advantage of a positive cash flow without generating a tax bill, which is great. Can you differentiate between the active side versus the passive side that you had mentioned where you're Mm -hmm. unable to reap the benefits as if you were an active? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the main difference is if you're considered passive, there's limitations in the tax code where you can't have passive losses. So if you have a property where the depreciation plus the expenses is more than the rents that you collect, there's certain little cap thresholds. So if if you are not a, earning a lot of income you know, outside of the rental portfolio that you have, they do allow for a $25,000 write-off loss. But for the most part, you're limited to just that passive income is as far as you can take passive losses. And so if you're earning a lot of income in like a W-2, say at the same time, you can't take those losses that are coming from your rental portfolio against 
your regular W-2 income. Where this shifts is if you're able to get a status that's called the real estate professional status, where you are do it's uh, there's a certain hour requirement, it's certain types of activities count towards it. It's one of those things where you really do want to have a tax professional kind of diagnose you with it because it's a very high scrutiny area for audit. And, you know, there are some particular rules around how it works. It's very finicky. But if you can qualify for that real estate professional status, that then opens up you to have the ability to take some of that rental portfolio as long as you're actively participating in it. So that means, you know, you're doing most of the work with it. You're very involved with it. You know, it's one of those things where it's a case by case kind of scenario. So it's good to have a tax professional actually look into this for you. But if you have that rental, that, uh, real estate professional status, then you can take losses from your rental portfolio against some of your ordinary income because it's all treated as active at that point. I tried to keep that as high level as I could. I hope that was a, a simple explanation for that. And so from that's from the rental side of things. And so what mm-hmm. if we were to invest in like a multifamily syndication on the commercial side of things as a passive investor? And at the end of the year, you receive your K-1 with the, all mm-hmm. your tax information on it from your sponsor? And then how are we as a passive investor able to utilize that and apply that to our own tax? Yeah. So for people who are passively involved in syndications or multifamilies like that, you can offset that passive loss that's coming from that K-1 against other passive income. So if you have other things that you're participating in that are producing passive income, you can net those together. But if you want to be able to take advantage of those against your active income, you'd have to qualify under the the rules around having what's considered like material participation and also that you're active in the activity under the IRS rules, which just involves that you're making decisions in the business, you're meeting certain hours of participation requirements. So like for the real estate professional status, I think it's 750 hours a year minimum that you're participating, but the rules are very picky and it's case by case basis. So it's one of those things I do recommend. If you're considering that you'd like to get really serious about real estate, it's good to know where the bright lines are in your particular situation to know the impacts of potentially changing from being passive to being active or from being active to being passive, because there can be benefits going either way, depending on what's in your portfolio and what your goals are. So from the passive side of things, are you able to defer some of that depreciation than if you're not able to apply it to your active side of things? Yeah. So what happens is if you have excess losses in an activity like that, they basically just get carried over forward and they're called passive activity losses and they accumulate and they'll just keep, you know, they'll follow you on your tax return year after year until you're able to use them up by either you sell the investment or you start showing active income on that investment and that kind of unlocks those for you to use. A common thing that I see happen sometimes is uh, people will uh, switch tax preparers and those passive losses that they've accumulated don't get translated with the new tax return and the new tax preparer. So it's always good to check in with that if you know you have accumulated passive losses, that they're making it onto your tax return so that there's a record of that when you go to sell or you start you know, showing income and you can soak those up. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. 
If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. And so kind of going along those lines then, if I'm understanding this correctly, so then if you're participate in a syndication and then you go full cycle on it and the sponsor sells it off and now you have this capital gains. Is that the place where you're able to apply the depreciation that you've accumulated to offset the taxes on those capital gains that you will be experiencing? Yeah. So if you weren't unable to use the full losses from the previous, uh, you know, previous years of your investment, then yes, when you go to sell, those will offset against the the capital gain. But a lot of that comes down to what we call basis rules and things like that. So it's one of those areas where it's it's good to know ahead of time before you reach the end of the cycle or you reach when like deals are going to be cut or you're going to exit to just know where you're at on the tax side of things because it can be radically different from what you expect depending on what happened in the past and what your basis, your tax basis is in those investments. So when is the best time to start having these conversations with your CPA, getting them involved so they can start planning for the next year? I think for most people, I recommend before you're going to go into an investment, it's worth talking to the CPA about what kind of tax exposure that's going to bring into the rest of your portfolio life. And I think it's also worth having a conversation with your accountant to really go through the character of how you're earning your income and understanding if any of these things could apply to you and maybe you're close. You know, very often I see people where they're they're very close to being considered the real estate professional status. And it's just a matter of doing things like keeping time logs and maybe shifting from having a property management company do everything to you start to do more things. And that can have a really significant tax impact depending on what you have going on. So I think it's important to have a close relationship with your accountant. And it's also important to work with somebody who deals with a good amount of real estate and kind of understands the rules around it because it is kind of a specialty area of the tax code. And so as you're interviewing or you're working with your CPA, what are some of the questions that would be helpful in determining whether or not the CPA has a good background or a good foundation and understanding of how to utilize and how to maximize the tax benefits through real estate? Yeah. So I think a common one that I, <laughs> I've i seen people, especially in real estate, like get surprised about is the first time they talk to their, for people who are more active, talk to their accountant about doing like a cost segregation study. And if you mention that and the accountant doesn't know what you're talking about, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> I think that's part of it is, uh, you know, it's good to work with people that do have more of a planning orientation instead of just filing tax returns, which is if you just go to like your local accountant down the street from you, you might just be in that more of that kind of like higher end H&R block kind of situation. So it's good to really take the time to vet people. And I think honestly, the best way to vet accountants from what my experience has been, it's such a a technical profession. It's really hard to judge. It's like trying to judge two dentists or something. It's hard to know who's right. And so I think having the approach of when you approach a tax professional and say, Hey, here's my situation. Can you look at my tax return? What do you think could be done here? Do you see any opportunities here? 
And then just the level of questions that they ask you, you know, are they asking you things like how many hours do you participate in this? Or what are your goals for this property? How long are you going to hold this property? Or can you explain to me what's going on with this K1 that you have? You can kind of tell how engaged they're going to be. And I think that gives you a lot of good information about what level of partnership you're going to have with them. Because I think for most CPAs, not to ding my profession, but they just focus on making sure that their clients are meeting a filing obligation instead of really taking advantage of all the chess pieces that you have when you're involved in things like real estate, because there is a lot of moving moving pieces that you can have really significant advantages by being proactive with it. And so the tax landscape is constantly evolving, constantly changing. And mm-hmm. so from what you're seeing currently in this space, what are some of the things that are potentially coming down the pipeline, maybe some changes or things that we should be aware of? Yeah. So currently Congress is voting on pending tax legislation. It's legislation that's already been passed by the House. So it's going to go through the Senate. The thing that's tough with the legislation is it's getting passed as a budget reconciliation. So that means that they can change things and move things around up until the last day. So it's really hard for us to determine what they're going to end up with some of the provisions that were originally proposed have been scrapped. So things like 1031 exchanges were on the chopping block at one point, but now they're not. There was a proposed significant increase in the capital gains tax rate, but now that's absent for you know most people. And so it's it's one of those things where I think it's good to have a relationship with your CPA where you reach out to them when some of this stuff is going on. Like, hey, is any any of this impacting me? Do I need what do I need to be aware of? I think for most people that are involved in real estate, at least, a lot of the provisions are not going to affect them pretty significantly from what I'm seeing. But like I said, it's one of those things where we're not sure what they're going to end up changing. And I think the thing to really take away from it is because they had things like the 1031 exchange and the increase in the capital gains tax rate, they were considering it. It's probably an area that they're going to come back to again in the future. So it's good to keep your eye on things like that. So it's great that you mentioned 1031 exchange also, because it's a really great, powerful tool if it's used correctly. Yes. Can you share with us you know, and our listeners what the 1031 exchange is and how they're able to utilize it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a 1031 exchange, basically the 1031 part of it, that's the part of the tax code. And basically what you're able to do is you can take a piece of property that's appreciated in value. And when you go to sell it, you can exchange that into a new property without having to pay capital gains tax on the appreciation. Now, that's the general mechanism of how it works. It's it's a fairly complex transaction to execute, and it requires using an intermediary. And there's certain rules, like certain day limits for how long you can wait to find the new property and when you have to close and how the cash gets transferred and those sorts of things. But it's a really powerful tool to be able to kind of upgrade things in your portfolio or move things around without getting a tax hit for it. But it is something you do have to know well in advance before you're going to sell that first property and get everything set up so that you can meet all the timing requirements so you don't miss out. Like I had somebody recently where he tried to do a 1031 exchange on his own and he had an intermediary and everything, but he wasn't working with a tax professional. And so he ended up not executing it correctly and triggered himself like a $200,000 plus tax bill that just very easily could have been deferred. So it's important to 
if you're considering a technique like that, talk with your tax professional early about it because it does take a lot of setup to get it to work. But when it works, it's extremely powerful. So then for the 1031, is it you need to be able to 1031 exchange it into a like or type similar type of properties or can it be anything? Yeah. So it has to be a like kind property, but the rules for what's considered like kind are fairly loose, but it's one of those things. It's worth just having a tax professional look at what it is and then what you want to do to make sure that it is going to be applicable for you. And also makes sense to know what's going on in your the rest of your income tax life, because sometimes it doesn't make sense to do a 1031. If you're at low enough brackets and you have enough other pieces moving in the right direction, sometimes it makes sense to take the tax hit because you could be in lower capital gains rates. So it's not something that I recommend people do 100% of the time. Sometimes it's not worth it, but it is, it's just one of those, one of those little techniques that really advantages real estate specifically, because it's just in particular for real estate that you can do this. And so through your experience working with a ton of different people, real estate investors of all kinds, what has been the most, what have they done working with you as a CPA that has made them the most efficient with their time with you as you you guys are planning the years coming down and strategizing? Yeah. I think the thing that's the most efficient is um, having a really good system in place for how you're keeping track of your books and records and keeping track of the performance of your portfolio, because it's really hard to plan if you get everything last minute. And also if you're getting incorrect data or incomplete data. So I think having, and just in general, if you're getting really serious into real estate and investing in general, you have to have good data so that you know how things are performing in a timely way so that if you need to make changes, you can, and really so that we can do the planning. So, you know, the tax exposure before you're going into the end of the year. And especially if there's different moves that we can do that you can take advantage of things because certain moves like doing cost segregation studies where you can accelerate your depreciation, you can choose when you want to do that. And so by having all the, having all the information so that we know what tax exposure is, it lets us make the right decisions of when we should do different things like doing a cost segregation study or postponing a sale into the next year or trying to accelerate and, and get something sold before the end of the year. So it's it's important to have good data. Thank you so much, Catherine. That was a ton of, that was an episode of jam-packed information. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, we could talk about tax all day, but <laughs> we're almost out of time here. And I mean, I could we probably have to do another episode with you because of how much value <laughs> you just brought. <laughs> And it's a conversation with the taxes. Not everybody likes to talk about it, but yeah. if you're able to utilize these different strategies, these vehicles that are available to you, you know, there it could be a very powerful tool to help you along your way um, financially as well. Yeah, no, and, and they have it has an extreme impact on the performance of your portfolio. So it's always like you said earlier, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And that's really the true performance of of what you're invested in. And so it's important to really have a, you know, a, a like a needle on that at all times that you know what, what that number is going to be. So Catherine, if our listeners had some more questions about taxes, they wanted to reach out, find out more about what you're doing in this space, where's the best place that they can go? So two good places. Uh, you can visit our website. I usually post uh, my different tax nerd side interests and planning ideas that I have on our website. It also has how to get in touch with us to have a second set of eyes, look at your situation, see if you are tax optimized. It's something we do for anybody who's interested. 
And then also LinkedIn is a great place to connect because I also post different tax updates and like to keep people abreast with what's going on with legislation, that sort of thing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Catherine. I really appreciate you sharing all those different, educating us really on the different types of things that we can utilize with our tax and how we can make our time with our CPAs the most efficient. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. I always enjoy getting to talk through these things. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate. We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.